0: Well, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We're beginning this morning our study of the Gospel of Luke. And, of course, this Gospel presents Jesus as the perfect man, the perfect Son of God. We see the life of Jesus. And really, a better way to say it is we're actually seeing selected events of the life of Christ recorded by Luke so that we can see Jesus as the perfect man, the one who came to be the final sacrifice for sin. In fact, we see him as the Savior and the Savior of mankind being our substitute. This morning, we begin getting a brief background, really, of this power book and of course the gospel of luke is the longest of the gospels it gives us the most details concerning the background the birth the life and even the ministry of christ so our goal as we study this book over these really over the coming months because it'll take us a while to go through it we want to see jesus that's what we want to do we want to see him we would like to see his life and his ministry his person and his work we'd understand who he is and how he is indeed the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world He is our Savior. We want to be excited as we study this. As we look at the Gospel loop, we're going to go, as always, verse by verse, passage by passage. It's a hard book. It's long. There's a lot of great things in there. and there's a lot of hard things in there. We'll see them as we go through it. We'll see our Savior Jesus Christ, the one born in Bethlehem, the one who has the good news. Of great joy to all people So there's some great things there Well as we begin, I want to tell you a story That I think most of you know I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior when I was 19 I had gone to church I think maybe twice Two to three times in my whole, in my whole life And I had never known the truth I thought that if you just did more good than bad You'd go to heaven One night when I was in college I ended up going into a Bible study Accidentally and I heard the truth that Jesus Christ died on the cross That he paid for sin, that he was buried and rose again And whoever would believe in him, not based on our works or our goodness or being good or anything but whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I trusted Christ as my Savior. I was so excited and uh, many of you have heard me talk about Nap who was my pastor then. I'd never had a Bible so he brought me a Bible he said I want you to have this Bible and so I got it and I began to read it. Of course where do you do? You, you start right at the first. I started. I, I noticed it was the Old Testament. So I said okay that's the old part. There's a the new part I'll start with the old part because I think you're supposed to start at the first of a book and, and so I, it's pretty good. I, I read Genesis, and I thought that was great. There was a lot of good... And then Exodus, and frogs, and you know, all that stuff that was in Exodus. I thought that was great. Then I got to Leviticus, and that kind of slowed things down a little bit. And so I thought, you know, the old is, is getting pretty old here, so maybe i ought to switch to the new part. So I switched over to the new part, and I read Matthew, and Mark, and Luke, and John, and I just thought it was great. But I noticed that Matthew, and Mark, and Luke, and John were pretty similar. They were about the life of Christ, but but even Matthew, Mark, and Luke actually followed the same pattern. John was a little bit different, but I thought... You know, why would he have four stories about Jesus that were pretty much the same four stories? That's that's what I thought. So I went to a guy who had been a Christian, and, you know, I'd been a Christian in a very short time, and I said, listen, I don't understand this. Why why are the four stories pretty much the same? And he went, well, God didn't want us to miss it, so he put it down four times so we'd get it. And I went, oh, okay, and it sounded good to me. I thought that sounded right. However, that's wrong. Anyway, that's not why it's (laughs) that way, but that's what I thought. Why are there four Gospels? Well, to understand, we have to have an understanding of the Bible and, and put the whole Bible together. You know there's sixty-six books that form this Bible, but there's an old testament and the new testament. The central theme of the Bible is the reconciliation of mankind. Perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son Jesus Christ. That's the story of the Bible. We know that mankind is sinned. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Man is to be separated from God. But what did Jesus do? What did God do? He said, I'm going to send the Redeemer, I'm going to send the Savior. Going all the way back to Genesis chapter three verse 15, God made this promise that there would be a Messiah Savior. There would be one coming. And so the whole Old Testament is looking forward to the Savior. We get to the New Testament, and the New Testament looks back, really looks with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it gives us the Savior, but then it looks back as the fulfillment. It says, this is the one that the Old Testament talked about. So what we see when we study the Gospels, we're actually seeing the fulfillment of the promise of the Old Testament. Now here's the question. Why four Gospels then? Well, I want you to understand something. If you read through, or if you read through the Old Testament and you read it carefully and over as you put it together you'll find that there are four views of the Messiah in the Old Testament I want you to notice something I think we've got them right here that the four views of the Messiah, first of all, he is seen in the Old Testament, Zechariah 9 9 says he's the king of the Jews. In fact, even that passage says he enters Jerusalem riding on a donkey. So he's seen as the king. And so if you ask Jewish people, what's this Messiah going to be like? They say he's the king. But the, the, he's also in Isaiah 42 is, is the servant of Jehovah. He's come to do the will of the Father. And so we would say, okay, he's the servant of God. There's the third view of him, and that is that he's the perfect man. Isaiah seven fourteen, the child that will be born, the son that will be, giving, be given, and there he is. And then We say, okay, he's the perfect man, and then he's God, Isaiah 9, 6, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He's all of these things. So if you looked at the Old Testament, you could see that the Messiah is going to be the king, and he's going to be the servant, and he's going to be man, and he's going to be God. And you go, wow, so there he is. Well, now you figured it out that the four Gospels are actually the fulfillment of these four views. In fact, if we go to Matthew, Matthew shows Jesus as the king. As Zechariah said, the king is coming. Matthew says, I want you to meet the king. And then we find that Mark presents Jesus as the servant. As Isaiah 42 said, the servant of Jehovah is going to come. Mark says, here's the servant. Here's the one who's come to give his life as a ransom. And then Luke, the one we're studying, presents him as the perfect man. As Isaiah 7 said that there would be the child born, Luke says, I want to show you the child being born. I'm going to give you background. I'm going to tell you about John the Baptist. I'm going to tell you about Jesus, his folks, his age 12. I'm going to show you all of this, and he shows us the perfect man. And then, of course, you think about it, the Gospel of John shows Jesus Christ as God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So why are there four Gospels? Not because he didn't want us to miss it. He doesn't want us to miss it. But the truth is, there were four views of the Messiah in the Old Testament, and the four Gospels give us the four views of the Messiah. So we begin this morning looking at the Gospel of Luke. And, of course, this book presents him as the perfect man, the one who is able to be the perfect sacrifice for the sins of mankind. Now, now people talk about sacrifices, you know, all throughout the Old Testament, beginning with Adam and Eve, basically, God, there were sacrifices. There were sacrifices of animals. And people say, well, why did they sacrifice animals? And some people say, well, deal with sin. Well, what sacrifices of animals did is they covered sin. The sacrifice of an animal, the blood of bulls and goats, could never take away sin. An animal sacrifice cannot pay for a man's sin. The only thing that can pay for a man's sin is a perfect human being. That's why Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God Who takes away the sin of the world Gospel of Luke is going to show us that he is that perfect Man, the one born Who comes into this world, who is the God Man who is able to take away our sin So it's a great, great book Well let's begin, let's, let's get a little background The first thing we want to see is the author, and the author Is Luke, we call it the Gospel according To Luke, Luke wrote both The book, the book of Luke, and he wrote the Book of Acts, in fact, if you Put Luke and Acts together, that's more than the whole Everybody else wrote, I mean you say, well Didn't didn't Paul write 13 letters of the New Testament? He did. But if you take all 13 letters and put them together, it's not as long as Luke and Acts together. Uh, Acts is really a sequel to the Gospel of Luke. Luke is what Jesus did. Acts is what happened after Jesus. That's basically it. Luke was a doctor. Uh, He traveled with Paul on Paul's missionary journeys. So, truthfully, Luke wasn't with Jesus when he was on this earth. But he was with Paul, and he got a lot of information, and we'll talk about it. He writes... uh, His plan is to write about the key events, certain events, uh, about the life of Christ. He writes to a man, if you look at... uh Oh, in verse 3, at the very end of verse 3, it says, I want to put this in consecutive order for you, most excellent Theophilus. He's writing to a man named Theophilus. We know almost nothing about this man. I'll give you details a little bit later on what we do know. But his name means the lover of God. Some people have even said it's not even a person. He's just writing to people who love God, and he just put that name there. I think he's writing to a person. He calls him most excellent Theophilus, which means the man was of high stature, probably a wealthy man. When was it written? The date of the book was a pro Best that we can tell, probably around 62 A.D. It was before the fall of the temple, which was in A.D. 70. Paul was in prison in Rome up to about 60 to 62, and after he got out of prison, Luke then wrote what we call, best we can tell, the book book of Acts. So most likely Luke and Acts were written about the same time, put together around 62. Why did he write the book? Why would he write this? We have an idea. We'd say, well, he's got to write it to show that Jesus is the perfect man. I mean, if he's going to do what we said he was going to do. But there's a couple of reasons. The first purpose is this, twofold. He wanted to present... An orderly account of the life and ministry of Christ to Theophilus. In fact, when we studied this morning the first four verses, that's exactly what he says. He says, I wanted to give you an orderly account. Uh, My New American Standard says in consecutive order. The Greek really doesn't mean exactly consecutive order. It means an orderly account. It means it's presented factually and accurately. He said, I wanted to give this orderly account to Theophilus so that you would know about Jesus. Okay? Then there's a second reason, and that is that he would present Jesus Christ as the perfect man who is able to be the final sacrifice for the sins of mankind. Luke 19.10, Jesus says, The Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. So when we study and when we look at this book and we think about Luke... Why why was this book given? What was Luke's purpose? He said, well, I wanted to give this orderly account so Theophilus would know. But he also was presenting, as he gives this out, the perfect Son of God, the perfect man who is able to be the sacrifice. You have to really realize this, that we, as a human being, and we sin, there has to be a sacrifice. Animal sacrifices covered sin. They never paid for sin. There's going to have to be a human sacrifice to pay for man's sin. Well, all human beings are sinners. So we'd say, well, we're not going to be able to find one. Well, God sent his son who is the perfect human being who never sinned. He's the God man and he takes our place. So he did come to seek and save those who are lost. Luke presents this great message. In fact, I always think of Luke chapter 2 where he says, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. I love this. As we think about the gospel, it it is unique. Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John go together. There's, uh, just to give you a little background. There's a term called the synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is not one of the synoptic Gospels. Synoptic Gospels means they flow together, they're synonymous, they, they fit together in a lot of ways. Now, they're, they're different, of course, but the, the order of Matthew and Mark and Luke follows a very similar pattern. The Gospel of John doesn't. John is written to show these certain signs so that you would see these signs and believe that Jesus is the Christ, and by believing, you'd have eternal life. So the Gospel of Luke is unique, even though it fits a lot like Matthew, Mark, and John, it's very unique. Let me give you some of the unique things about the Gospel of Luke. First of all, it gives us details of the background of Christ. It does. It gives us all kind of backgrounds. It gives us the lineage of Jesus Christ. It covers more time and background and before the birth and the birth of Christ than all the rest of the books and everything put together. The lineage goes all the way back to Adam. See, the Gospel of Matthew goes all the way back to David and Abraham. This one goes all the way back to Adam. We find this man named John the Baptist. A lot of detail about him, who is he, how he is connected. So it gives us details. The second thing that it does is it gives us details on the birth of Christ. I mean, if you start going through it, Matthew, you read Matthew, and all it basically says now, it came about this way in the birth of Christ, there were these wise men coming from. That's about all you have on the birth of Christ is these, these magi come from the east, and that's two years after Jesus was born. You go to the Gospel of Mark, you don't even have the birth recorded in the Gospel of Mark. You go to the, the uh, Gospel of John, and about the closest thing you're going to find to the birth of Christ in the Gospel of John is John 1.14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So if you wanted to know about the birth of Christ, you go to Luke chapter 2. And, of course, you know, I, as I mentioned earlier, I never went to church. The closest thing to the Bible and church that I ever got was in elementary school. Because in my day, we had a Christmas program. And the teacher assigned people to have jobs, and they read the Scripture, and we did the birth of Christ, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and they were sore afraid. That's how it read in those days, because they had King James, and you know we didn't know what that meant, but we felt like they were afraid about something. And, I mean, we we saw all this, and that was the story. So the Bible that I knew, if you ask me, do you know any Bible, I would probably have known a little bit to maybe say John 3.16. I wouldn't have known it as John 3.16, but I would have heard the verse. And then I would have known the Christmas story. That's from Luke. So he gives us the detail on the birth. He talks about the angel and Mary and the shepherds and the early years. He gives us a lot. Third, what he does is gives us history and details of events and times. The Gospel of Luke explains things. Sometimes there will be something and he will say something about Jewish people. And then the Gospel of Luke, the writer, Luke, will then explain what that means. Because the best that we can tell, Luke may be the only non-Jewish writer of the Scripture. And so naturally, if he was not Jewish, when he writes this, and he writes things to Gentiles as well, they might not understand everything. So Luke would say, I want to make sure they understand how this happened. And he explains Jewish events and places. The fourth thing that the book does is gives us the fullest treatment of forgiveness and has the most parables. I mean, this book deals with forgiveness. In fact, the very last part in chapter 24 and verses 44 and all that in area there, he talks about the forgiveness of sin. And we talk a lot about you trust in Jesus Christ for eternal life. You do. You also trust in Jesus Christ for righteousness. But you also trust in Jesus Christ to receive the forgiveness of sin. The Gospel of Luke deals with that probably the most of any of the other writers of the Gospels. He also deals with the parables. Now, I think there are, a lot, there are more parables in the Gospel of Luke than any of the other Gospels. And there are parables in the Gospel of Luke that are not in any of the other books. So there's going to be things we read as we go through here. And we'd say, well, how does Matthew put that parable? And we go, Matthew doesn't deal with that parable. Only Luke gives that parable. And let's, let's face it, parables are hard. I mean, you read a parable, and you try to figure out what is he talking about, and you almost want to say, uh, "Would you explain it?" And you'd, that's what the guys did. Jesus would give a parable, and they'd go, and then they'd go back with him and say, "What were you talking about out there?" And he'd have to explain it to him. So, it gives us a, there's a lot there. And then, last of the fifth thing I think that makes us unique is the focus is on people. The Gospel of Luke deals with people. He, deals, he mentions more about women and children. And then you think of Zacharias at the start and Elizabeth. We'll see them next week. He gives the story of the Good Samaritan. He talks about Zacchaeus who climbed up in the tree to see Jesus. He goes all of this. He gives the universality of the good news of great joy to all people. So this is an incredible book, and, you know, I, I, I always keep records of everything we teach here and when we, we do it. I think we've taught Matthew twice in the 21 years that I've been here, and we've taught Mark a couple of times, and John. We've taught John several ways. We've taught the whole Gospel of John, and then we've taught the signs of John, and we've taught the, the sayings of, of Jesus on the cross from John. We've done a lot of different things. The Gospel of Luke, the last time we looked at this, that we actually studied it verse by verse, was 1986. So it's been a while since we've actually gone verse by verse. We've seen the gospel, we've talked about it, but we're going to see some incredible things. Some of you weren't born then that's in this audience. So you go, I I don't remember it. Yeah, that's right, you don't. We see Luke shows us Jesus as several things. Number one, as the Messiah. Incredible verses in Luke 1 where the angel comes, Gabriel comes to Mary and says he's going to take the throne of his father David. He is the Messiah and the king. I mean he is all of that. Luke also shows us that he is the son of God. That he is the son of God. That he is the God man is powerful. Luke also shows him as the servant. Now, that you say, well, I thought all the other Gospels did that. They do, and that's their emphasis. Luke does present Jesus as God's servant. There's a the fourth thing. He presents him as the Lord. And when he uses the word Lord, there, we'll look at it when we get to it in 26. But uh, it's, it's more than just saying uh, that because the word Lord could be the word for sir. It could be for the one who's a powerful person. But it also is an idea of deity as well. And then last but not least, he's going to present him as the son of man, which is the perfect man. And we'll see how that fits together. So in a summary, as we get ready to start, the Gospel of Luke was written by Paul's companion Luke before A.D. 70, the best that we can tell, to a man named Theophilus. His purpose was to give this orderly account of selected events in the life of Christ so Theophilus would know about what he had believed. And also it was to show that Jesus was the perfect man who is able to be the final sacrifice for sin forever. It's powerful. He came, Luke 19.10, to seek and save those who are lost. It's powerful. Well, as we begin, let me give you this outline. Now, out on the, um, out of, out the Welcome Center, I have a, a really expanded outline of the Gospel of Luke. I think it's in blue paper. You can just pick it up right off the counter there. Here's sort of just a, a big brief overview outline. First of all, what we're going to see this morning is the preface. It's sort of the introduction of the book, verses 1-4. through four. And then we call this what I call the preparation for the perfect man. This is the background. of John the Baptist and, and, and all, uh, the two promises and going to Mary and the birth of Christ and all of this. Then we have what I call the introduction to the perfect man. And this is where we begin to get the, the testing, the beginning of his, his aspect of who he's going to be and what he's going to do and all of those kind of things. Then the fourth thing is the ministry of the perfect man. And we'll see him Where he goes and what he does, we'll see his mission of the perfect man. And it's powerful because really beginning in there, we're going to begin to see the conflict. Because, you know, when Jesus came, whether whether you see him as the king or the servant or the perfect man or, or God, there was conflict because the religious leaders did not want him there. We'll look at this and we're going to see the Pharisees and the Sadducees and how they believed and what they thought. And I'm going to try to the best I can with the time that we have. We don't have a lot of time every week. I mean, at the most, we go about 30 minutes as far as the teaching part. In that 30-minute time period, I'm going to try to give you the best I can background in history so that as we study it, you'll get an idea of, if we say something about these Sadducees, well, exactly who were those guys? And, and a little detail next week when we see Zacharias, gone in, he's going into the temple to burn the incense. What was going on there? How does all this fit? So the best that I can do in the weeks to come, I'll give you as much history and background as we can, not to slow it down, but to help us be able to, to put it together. The... Um, Let's see where we're we? Ministry, mission. This, we're going to see the the suffering and the death of the perfect man, and of course that ties in with you know realizing he's going to the cross to die for us. He's going to the cross to be the sacrifice and the substitute, and then I think last but not least the resurrection, the perfect man. We see in chapter 24. And, uh, you know, that is uh, all of the the resurrection accounts are my favorite accounts, whether it's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. It's incredible to see uh, the risen Christ and the reaction uh, to him. In the months to come, what I want us to do is get a good look at Jesus. I think it's powerful. In a church like ours, we teach the Bible verse by verse, passage by passage. And Sunday nights we're doing 1 Corinthians. And, and you know, we've just finished First uh, and Second Samuel and, and the first part of First Kings looking at uh, the three kings of Israel. Well, I think it's important that we keep a focus on Christ. Whether it's in a Sunday school class, whether it's in a CBI class, whether it's Sunday morning, we need to keep our focus on our Savior. So that's one reason we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Luke for a while. Let's begin. Let's see that what's often called the introduction or the preface, Luke's purpose statement. He is writing to this friend. His name is Theophilus. The goal is to tell him about Jesus so that this man can be assured and say, you know, whatever you've been taught, I want you to know that that's accurate and true. Look at verse 1. This is Luke writing. He says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us and, and just has been handed down to them from, from the beginning by these eyewitnesses and servants, it seemed good to me as well, having investigated everything carefully even from the beginning, to write it out for you in, in consecutive order, in, in a very logical order, most excellent Theophilus. I'm writing this to you. Why? So that you would know. You would know the exact truth. About the things you have been taught. So it's powerful. Let's start at verse 1. He says, as much as as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us. Luke begins by saying other people have have attempted to tell the story of Jesus. There were some who told it uh, by oral accounts. There were some who wrote things down. There were people who knew Jesus. There were people who walked with him. You realize Luke did not walk with Jesus on this earth. He was with Paul, and and, and Paul didn't walk with Jesus. But you understand that Luke received his information not only from talking to people, but from the Holy Spirit as well. He says many people have undertaken to, to p- compile this account, but uh, we have to realize that he used four people to give us the exact information that we need to show us the four the four fulfillments of the messiah he used matthew and mark and luke and john to write down exactly what we need now luke says a lot of people have tried to you know talk about jesus and put things down so he says many have undertaken to compile uh, some of the things that have been accomplished among us what had been accomplished what had been accomplished is the Son of God came to this earth to be a perfect man, to die on the cross, to pay for sin, to, to be the the substitute and the sacrifice. He died and rose again, walked on the earth and ascended back into heaven. And Luke is saying, I, I just, I want to write down, people have talked about all of the things that he has done. He goes on to say... Oh, and by the way, remember that Luke was a companion of Paul. And when when we get this book, it's not Luke going around asking people he doesn't know. Tell me about Jesus. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. It's the Holy Spirit filling him inspiration to put down exactly the right things. Notice what he goes on to say. He says, just as they were handed down to us, information was handed down to us, by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. He said, I've I've heard of information, I've got things that have been handed down to us by those who from the very beginning were eyewitnesses of this thing. He said there were certain people that he's talked to that really were there. They were there. They were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Uh, In fact, I think we can put the word eyewitnesses because that's a key. They saw Jesus when he was on this earth. They walked with him. They talked with him. Luke talked to those people who were with him. Do you know when you get into the first century, there were still people, there were people who wrote in the first century who knew people who were with Jesus. And as you get a little further up into the 130, 140, 150, there were people alive who knew people who knew Jesus, who knew him. Yeah, I I know the guy. Well, I knew him. I knew him personally. Wow. So Luke says, I talked to the people who actually were with him. They were eyewitnesses and servants, and it says, of the Word. And and that, the idea that the Word is logos, and it could mean several things. It could mean the Word, meaning Christ, that they were eyewitnesses and servants of the Word Jesus Christ. It could mean that they were eyewitnesses and servants of getting the Word out. Either way is fine. I think there's a great truth today that we are eyewitnesses through the Scripture of who Jesus is, and we are to help get this Word out into this community. The things that we know, the things that we, I mean there are people out there, they don't know anything about eternal life. They're struggling, they think you have to try to be good, some of them think you have to go to church, some of them think you have to do all these things. Some people are just like I was and just saying, look, if I just try to live the best life I can live and do more good than bad, they need to know the truth of Jesus Christ. We get to do that. Here's Luke's plan. He said, it seemed fitting to me, as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus. He says, it seemed good to me. This is what I thought best, having investigated everything. He said, I've I've searched it all out. Now, there's something special here, because he says, having investigated, and this is the New American Standard, says, having investigated everything from the beginning. That's a special Greek word there. It literally means from above. It doesn't mean like I went back to the beginning or something. It means I investigated this from above. There's an implication there that this is coming from God, that this is not just my idea, says Luke. It is what I've investigated and it's come down to me from above. He said, I thought the best thing to do was to write it out for you. In consecutive order or in exact order or in an orderly fashion is more likely what he means. Because uh, there are people who argue over what, what events happened first. And if you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, sometimes as you look at them historically, you'll say, well, Which event came first? or Who did this when where? and where? And Luke is saying, I'm putting this down in an orderly fashion for you, most excellent Theophilus. Some high official. Now, here's Luke's procedure. It was to get eyewitnesses. He got the eyewitnesses. The second thing that he did was he investigated everything fully. The third thing that he did was from the beginning or from above, he checked all this out. And then the last thing that he did was exact information in an orderly manner. So we have, of course, that's all of the Word of God is that way. But Luke is right in the very start just to say, I just want you to understand, Theophilus, this is what I've done. I've put it together and this stuff is right God is working through a human being to give us the Word of God. That's why 2 Timothy 3, all scriptures inspired by God. God breathed. Here's His purpose. So that you, His is the purpose. So that you, Theophilus, may know the exact truth about the things you've been taught. He said, here's what I want you to do. That you would have certainty. When it says no, it means to have certain, to be certain about something, about the things that you would know and have exact truth about the things you've been taught. See, Theophilus had been taught about Christ. Theophilus obviously was a believer, believed in Jesus Christ as Savior. But Luke is saying, Theophilus, I'm writing this to you so that you can make sure you understand that what you've been taught is right. I'm giving you the exact truth about the things that you have been taught. He wanted him to make sure that he was assured of these things. Now, it is important that all of us understand the truth. And when he says that you would understand the things that you have been taught... We always have to go to the Word of God as our basis. Because let's be honest, there are people who are taught things all the time that aren't biblical. That's why you always have to go back to the Bible. When somebody teaches you something or somebody tells you something, there have been people who have been said things like, the Bible says this, and you go there, and you know what? You can't find it. And you know why? Because it's not there. That's why you must always go to the Scripture to determine what you believe. And when somebody teaches you or says something, and if you can't find it there or if it's not the same thing, you've got to go back to the Scripture because the truth is many people are taught things that are not biblical or are very accurate. We must base what we believe on the word of God. It is the truth. That's why when he says that you may know the exact truth, John seventeen seventeen, 17, thy word is truth. So two purposes, just sort of a little summary of the gospel, to give an orderly account to Theophilus, but also to show, to show that Jesus Christ is that perfect man, the one who is the savior of the world. Now, so this morning we get a little background on Luke. We see the Gospel of Luke presents Jesus as the Christ, the perfect man, the final sacrifice for sin. He says, Luke, Luke says, I'm going to write this orderly account. I investigated everything from the beginning, from above. I'm writing to Theophilus so he can be certain of what he believes. With that in mind, let me just end with some quick applications. And here's the first one. The goal of this that we would gain an understanding of the background of the Gospel of Luke. That you'd know how it fits together. you know who Luke is and how he writes and what he does. That question, of A, that you would know why there are four Gospels. So if somebody came to you and said, why are there four Gospels? Don't say, he didn't want you to miss it. Tell them the truth. There were four views of the Messiah in the Old Testament, and the four Gospels give us the fulfillment of those four views. So we want to do that. B, we would want to know about Luke, who he is, how he writes to Theophilus before the fall of Jerusalem about Jesus. So have an understanding of the background of Luke. And so if somebody came to you and said, what, why is Luke, what, what's Luke about, you'd have an understanding. The second application is seek to understand the truth of what you believe. Be ready to give an answer to everyone for the hope that is within us. You have to go to the Word of God. It's the basis for authority. There are people. Let me. I, and, you, and you know this. When we have membership training, there are times in membership training I will say to people, "How many of you been taught this?" And we they raise their hand, and I say, "Is that in the Scripture?" And they all go, "No." We are taught things that aren't biblical. So go back to the Bible, to be ready to give an answer to everyone for the hope that is within us. You must know what you believe and why you believe. You need to be ready to give an answer, defend your faith. And and as we go through this, I think B says we want to see Jesus as we study this gospel. We want to understand the truth about Him and who He is and what He did. It's very powerful. We want to get a good look at our Savior. What I pray is that as you see this, if there's anyone In our church, in the months to come, as we go through this, as we look at Jesus, I hope that if there's there's anyone who has never believed in Jesus Christ as their Savior, that they will, as they see the Gospel of Luke and they see Jesus as the final sacrifice for sin, they will understand that they need a Savior. If there's anyone in this room this morning, if you have never, if, you're not, if you said, I don't know if I'm going to heaven, I, I always thought you had to be good, let me tell you, Jesus is your Savior. He died on the cross, He paid for sin, He rose again. He is the final, perfect sacrifice for you. And if you believe in Him, He'll give you eternal life. It's that simple. I think the third application is to know the purpose of the Gospel of Luke. First of all, A, that he was going to give this orderly and accurate account to Theophilus. And then B, that Luke would present Jesus as the fulfillment of the prophecies as the perfect man. That's who he is. And so he is the perfect man to be the final sacrifice for our sins. so as we begin this morning our study of the Gospel of Luke... I hope you're excited. I'm pretty excited. I love it. I can hardly wait. It's going to be really hard. And, and uh, it ta- it's going to take me a lot longer to do this than First Kings. It is. It is a lot harder. There's a lot more detail. When I do uh, a New Testament book, I I look at every Greek word. I go through and parse and look at every word in every sentence. I go back to the original language so that we can make sure we got it together. So it's going to take a while, but it's going to be fun. I think we're going to gain a lot out of it. As we begin the study of Luke, may we be excited as we study the Word of God, as we see our Savior Jesus Christ. And that we would be certain about what we believe. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these great truths, Lord, and we we pray that we'll be able to gain an understanding of Luke and how it all fits together and get in the background and the four Gospels and, and uh, to, to be able to see all of his things and to know why it was written and what it was about. Lord, may we stand for the truth, being ready to give an answer for the hope of was in us. May we see Jesus as we go through this, gospel, through this Gospel. And then, Lord, may we understand the whole purpose of the book, to give the orderly account, but at the same time to present Jesus as the perfect man who is the sacrifice and the Savior for us. Lord, thank you for these great truths. May we have a great time as we go through this book. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.